attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, it's time for Context and Clarity Live, where we spend an hour every Thursday afternoon searching for clarity around the things that matter most to you the architect. And it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or if you own your own firm. Maybe you dream of starting your own thing. Maybe you've even said that 2021 is my year and you're on the runway to starting your own thing. Or maybe you have had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host Catherine McPhail and I had last week with our Context and Clarity guest. Every week, we have a new guest and a new topic, so let's jump right into the conversation. This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech Comfort Heaters. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for the Entree Architect Context and Clarity Live conversation for Thursday, November 18th, 2021. Thanks for joining us today. As you get here, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining the conversation from. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff. I come here every afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern for one reason, so that we can find clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect. It doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or you own your own firm. Maybe you've circled a date on the calendar and you now have a month and a week to start your own thing in 2021, or maybe you have had your own firm for a year or 10 years or 27 years. You're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover, one topic every day, they all fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of small firm architects just like you. So thanks for joining me today. As always, on Thursday, I am joined by Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Jeff. Number 41. This is it our is 40- number 41. Yeah. I don't know. This year's gone by really fast. It has... It has Surprise. flown by. Um, yeah, I, I think if 2021 or if 2020 dragged, uh, like many of us, I think, have said that it has. It, I, I think it dragged, yeah. Yeah, it dragged. I think 2021 has made up for it. Uh, it's just flown by. Um, Catherine's talking about 41 because this week on Tuesday, we celebrated 400 Context and Clarity conversations which is our daily conversation and this is our 41st context and clarity live conversation so uh big milestones 
this week. Um, I appreciate Catherine for joining me for through all of these uh, and all of you out there for joining us as well. I say this all the time at the end of the conversation, but I appreciate all of you for making context of clarity a thing. Because if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. We wouldn't be introducing the guests that we have backstage today. We wouldn't be talking about um, equitable practice in hybrid workplace today. So thank you to all of you for uh, making 41 of these conversations um, in the in the live simulcast version possible. Uh, let's see who's with us today. We see. Trying, I've got to figure out uh, Ryan Shoe. <laughs> All right, Ryan Shoup is first in. He wins the crocheted bathtub for being first in, and he claims to be from central New Jersey, which we have this long-standing debate here on Context and Clarity on whether or not there actually is such a thing as central New Jersey. Uh, as someone who's not from New Jersey, who has no idea what that's all about, I'm giving it to Ryan. He gets a crocheted bathtub. He can have central New Jersey. I realized the other day that there's an AIA chapter for Central New Jersey, so there must be something to this Central New Jersey thing. I don't know what, you know, you New Jersey people, I don't know what your deal is. <laughs> with no I don't know. Central. They have a lot going on down there. They do have a lot going on. Yeah. Apologies for the conversation last week because New Jersey got a little got dragged a little bit when we were talking about licensure and business entities. But uh, Ryan, thanks for being first in today. Um, looking around the room, uh, Catherine has put the, uh, the URL up at, in the bottom left of our screen. If you are showing up from Facebook, if you're joining us from Facebook, of course, you're joining from the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. It's a private group. Um, 7,400 architects from around the world in that group, but it's a private group just for architects, which means because of Facebook privacy rules, your name and likeness can't be released outside of Facebook unless you say it's okay. So if you're showing up right now from Facebook as Facebook user with a uh, with a generic uh, little little emblem there, and you would rather show up as Ryan does and as Christian does from Ithaca, New York, and as John Jones does, John Jones does from Westport, Connecticut, if you'd like to show up with your name and likeness. Go to the URL that Catherine has put at the bottom left-hand corner of our screen, chat.restream.io slash FB, as in Facebook, and uh, give Facebook permission to talk to Restream. That's the that's the platform that we use here uh, on Thursdays for our simulcast version, and that's all you have to do if you'd rather show up as yourself rather than Facebook user. Uh, looks like everybody else. Benita's coming in from... From LinkedIn and Atlanta with the uh, the yellow hand wave as usual. Thank you, Benita. I always appreciate seeing that that wave there. I see James Polk from Hattiesburg, Mississippi over on YouTube. I see Isra Banks over on YouTube. Isra says she's first on YouTube, so we'll give it a we'll give out a uh, crochet bathtub for YouTube. Who's first on? Um, is that Mandy on, on Twitch? Twitch? Is that is that purple thing Twitch? That- <laughs> That purple thing is Twitch. I think Mandy is first in from Twitch, so she can have a crocheted bathtub from the Twitch side of things. And if anybody shows up, Benita is, I think, the first one in from LinkedIn. So what are we missing? We're missing Twitter at this point, right? So if you're on Twitter and you're watching this live, make sure you say hi um, so that you too can win a crocheted bathtub. Everybody wants one. Everybody wants one. It's like the Oprah Winfrey show. You get a crocheted bathtub. But we all have them at this point, I think. Everybody has a crocheted bathtub. (laughs) Um, If you don't know the background on that, just real quickly, my wife's grandma, who lived to just shy of 105 years old, had all kinds of great great one-liners. Some of them you've heard. Some of them you have not because they were unique to Mimi and one of hers was uh, the award of the crocheted bathtub for the winner of something completely useless and random. So she gave out the crocheted bathtub award a lot. And we're continuing that tradition here on context and clarity. So that's that's the background on that. I see lots of folks joining us today. Great crowd. We've got uh, Hans over in Portland, Maine. We've got uh, Scott. Scott's messing with us. I think he. I've seen him on at least Facebook and now Twitch, maybe maybe more, but he's joining us from Oregon, from his parents' basement. 
He's moved back in as an adult. He's hoping his kids don't move back into his basement. And he's moved back to his parents' basement. I'm not sure how that works. But uh, Scott, great to see you on multiple platforms. And Ed Shannon from Des Moines, Iowa. Thanks for joining us as well. Chris says it's YouTube now. I like that. So for our special guest who's in the green room right now, I'm looking around. There's quite a Massachusetts posse. Mm -hmm. um, joining us right now. Lots of folks representing the, um, it's a Commonwealth, isn't it? Are you a Commonwealth? Yeah, Commonwealth, yeah. Yep. Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I think there are only three of us, but we still win the, we still win the day. Unless Isra <laughs> is here. Isra is here. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, yeah, we're really. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've you've taken the day. You've already taken the day at this point. So. All right. Good. So congratulations to thank all you, of thank you. Thank you. All of you minute people. Glad you're all joining us today. That was very, uh, very modern of you. <laughs> Historically modern. Minute people. Yeah. How's, how's that? Okay. <laughs> well, with that, we better jump into this before uh, before I get us in trouble. Uh, again, thank you to all of you for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to it. I've, I've said this for several weeks now. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while um, because I, I'm really curious to learn uh, what our guest thinks the future of this topic has to do with the future of, of uh, architecture practice here. So with that, let me introduce our guest. Um, our guest today is an entrepreneur and an architect. She advocates for equitable practice and women's leadership throughout the design and construction industry. She's a founding co-chair of the Massachusetts Building Congress Women's Network, the founding president of Boston Professional Women in Construction, and the current secretary of the board for the Boston Society of Architecture, which for those of you outside of uh, Massachusetts, that is the uh, Boston chapter of AIA. Um, she is a co-founder and the president and CEO of SOM Architecture in Boston, Massachusetts. Diana Nicholas, welcome to Context and Clarity Live. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, like I said, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while because uh, as we um, as we've had these 400 conversations, 401 or two or whatever we're up to right now, um, a lot of our conversations, of, of course, this all started during COVID. For those of you who aren't aware, we started Context and Clarity April 6th of 2020 as a response to things shutting down and people leaving their offices and working from home and maybe trying to set up some sort of hybrid situation. And so we've had a lot of people in our audience who have started their own thing in the last 18, 19 months, 20 months, maybe um, others that will still start their own thing for whatever reason. We talked about the great uh, resignation yesterday, actually. And I've been looking forward to this because you uh, and your partner founded SOM Architecture seven years ago as a hybrid practice, basically six years before everybody else is practicing as a hybrid practice is now. Um, so I, I think really the most appropriate question to start with is, you're six years ahead of the curve. Why did you start SOM as a hybrid practice seven years ago? Great question. So <clears throat> SOM, was, SOM has a number of people who had worked together before at Burt Hill. So my partner included. And he, uh, when we were at Burt Hill in the Boston office, had uh, really encouraged people to have a laptop and not a desktop to have a VPN connection and, you know, have the ability to work from home. People didn't do it much. Um, you know, I think the business case at that point was more like, if people have the ability to work from home, you're going to get more out of them. Although it wasn't, that wasn't really like the culture, but I think that that's, um, you know, as part of a larger firm that had to be sort of justified. So anyway, so I, I start with that because I give a lot of credit to my partner because he was the managing principal of that studio. and so. When I joined that studio, I had two tiny kids and had just moved to Massachusetts and I wasn't even sure where I was going to live. And he said, you know what? It's fine to live far away. You'll get a seat on the train. You can have a laptop. You can work on, on the train if you want to. You do it, you know, and I was like, eh, makes sense. Okay. So fast forward, Burt Hill gets acquired. We decide we're going to leave and start our own 
firm. Um, so at that point, we decided we really kind of wanted to push the envelope on lots of aspects of sort of traditional HR. Um, so the idea of creating an equitable culture is, you know, I don't, people weren't using the word equity at that point, really, even. Um, but that's very much what the intent was. We always have described it as giving everybody a level playing field, regardless of the responsibilities that they have outside of the office. So, you know, parents always come to mind, but it's people that, you know, they may be caring for their own parents. They may um, have a health issue. They may want to go to pottery class, whatever. We want people to have that balance. And so the way that we set up the firm from day one was, again, everyone had a laptop. And um, we got the VPN, you know, like two or three months in. I think we started on Dropbox. Uh, so everyone could work remotely, no problem. Um, we wanted everyone to have unlimited vacation. And that works well with flexibility because we have what we call radical flexibility. And the idea behind that, um, and I used to explain this and people would kind of be like, okay. But I think now having, um, you know, ha with a lot of people that have, started to have a more flexible schedule. They're looking at things a little more specifically when we use that term. So at SOM, that means that you can work uh, seven days a week, any days that you want to work. And as long as you are getting your work done and communicating with your team uh, and the client is happy, then you can make your schedule your own. Um, we do, of course, have some exceptions to that. We have a meeting on Monday morning that used to be in person generally. Uh, I think we were using GoToMeeting audio if people were remote um, years ago. And so uh, the Monday meeting was a chance to go over all the staffing, talk about all the projects, talk about what's going off marketing. And then we would have lunch and learns that day. And you know, so Monday was kind of an important day, but again, we didn't start until you know 10 o'clock. We still have that meeting. And so um, at the moment, I would say it's about 50% in the office and 50% out of the office. So so back to the exceptions. Monday meetings. And then we also, because we're trying to allow people to grow their careers, the way that we describe, describe flexibility um, is also that it works both ways, which is to say, uh, you know, if you usually take off Tuesday afternoons because you want to go take classes on, you know, crocheting bathtubs or whatever, um, that's great. You know, it's creative. It's, you know, that's good for your mental health, all that stuff. But, you know, if you're interested in project management and we're offering you the chance to go run a meeting with, you know, the client that you're working for, we're kind of hoping that you're going to take that option. Um, we want you... Uh, you know, like I said, advance your career. We want people to have opportunities. Um, and sometimes we need you to be there. And people have a very good understanding of that. So the limited vacation works well with that because if you, let's say, um, if you work 38 hours one week and you just have a lot going on, you can have a couple of hours of PTO. And then the next week you might work 45 hours and, and that's all fine. So we don't do a lot of checking of, vacation tracking. People always ask that. We kind of studied it at one point, but um, it works well. And we have people from all over the world who, have, you know, have worked. There's somebody that works in Spain every August. There's somebody who's in the Middle East um, frequently. And we've actually just made our first hire who will be 100% remote, lives in Fargo, North Dakota. So testing the waters there. That was a long answer to your first question. No, but it's it's a good answer though. I mean, it, it you've you've touched on some of the other questions, but um, you know, I I think <laughs> yeah, I was kind of chuckling to myself because I've talked to people that say, you know, we've got somebody that doesn't want to drive into the office anymore. You know, I, I worked in Chicago for a while, lived in Chicago for a long time, worked worked up there for a while. Well, you know, we've got somebody out in the suburbs that that doesn't want to come into the office, but you've got somebody in Spain and the Middle East. Is it, you know, it's sort of, I guess it's, I guess it's, it's orders of magnitude. But um, when you, when you think about the way that you originally set up the hybrid, well, let, let me, go, let me take a step back for a second, because 
Yes, I think there's the the equitable practice piece of it. I think we could definitely dig into that a lot more. Um, I know that there are firm leaders out there that are trying to make a business case for for or against this, you know, whatever their perspective is. If we flip that around, are you running into because your clients have gone through the same thing? Um, your clients had to go home. Um, are you finding clients that, and even going back to the beginning, that this these ideas, these ideals resonate with? Uh, or is it just a, hey, this is great, I'm glad you guys do that, or, or no opinion whatsoever? We have had some clients who really appreciated that aspect um, and, and, you know, engaged us for that reason. But we have had historically a really wide range of conversations with clients about it. Some clients had no idea that was how we worked. And we've sort of figured they probably didn't want to know that as long as they were getting what they needed. Other clients, we, you know, explained it in great detail. You know, I think all of us have sort of different levels of personal relationships with clients. And so you could kind of understand you know, which ones might be open to it and understanding it. But we all use our personal cell phones as our work cell phones. All those numbers are on the website. So in that sense, people could always find us. And and now we all have everyone else's cell phones, right? Because that's what they use at home to work. Um, But, you know, I wish I could say we had a lot more clients who hired us because um, of that. But recently, um, in Massachusetts, one of the higher ed institutions had this sort of open call for um, consultants, and they got a lot of responses. But part part of the part of the question they asked was sort of, you know, what what are your thoughts about this new way of working? And for us, that's really an opportunity to say, well, this is kind of how we do it and how we understand it. Um, and so sometimes there is just like a natural opening to explain it. But we have, we have, we have a lot of clients who've known, for instance, um, and I can talk about this more. We have, uh, probably five or six people who target 32 hours a week instead of 40. And so generally, like they would say, well, Friday's the day I'm going to try to, you know, clean my house or whatever they want to do that day. And, um, you know, some of them are taking care of their kids that day. And so a lot of clients would know I can still call that person on a Friday and expect that person to answer the phone, even if they're with their kids. And every time it came up, it was fine. Um, you know, it takes a little training to say it's okay for you to call people on Fridays. It's okay. Like wh- when we say 32 hours a week, we don't mean four days a week. We mean 32 hours across the seven days. However you want to do that, that's fine. So the client conversations have gotten more and more interesting though, because, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot more and they want to understand what we've been doing and that's not magic do do you think you know you mentioned the higher ed and uh, the higher ed client in massachusetts that asked do you think there will be a trend towards that i mean you've seen one do you expect to see more that are interested in that or at some point does it matter right do you do, do clients even need to know how you practice i think it does matter uh to a degree another example i would use is um the school building authority in Massachusetts, as well as some of the other public agencies, um, they, they've asked consultants, how, how do you see us working together? How is this, what is this going to look like? And, you know, in Massachusetts, we still are all in, if you're interviewing for a project, for a public project, you're going to be interviewing over zoom. And if you can't communicate well, if you don't have the graphics working, all of that, that's, uh, that's a, a red flag, which of course wasn't the case in the past. And that's, that has less to do with the sort of equity piece that, that we're going to get into. But, but I do think in that sense, there is a trend and a certain expectation that we as consultants are going to show up. We're going to have the technology working. We're going to articulate the design well. Um, and if, if you don't have that, I mean, I, there was an example of an interview recently where someone had a pre-recorded uh, you know, presentation and that fell flat, you know, so these, yeah. So, so 
so I think it's, I think it's going to be somewhat of a trend and, you know, we'll pop up in different. I see several people uh, putting into the comments questions about the 32 hours. Why, what, what's the magic of 32 versus 40 and how does that work? Right. Um, so we have people that have, you know, some responsibilities outside of the office and they feel like they would like to um, target 32 hours. So the way that that works, and we still do timesheets like the rest of the world. And if they, if they're targeting 32 hours, um, we pay them overtime up to 40 hours to what their salary would be. So they understand that if they need to stretch a little bit, they, um, they have that option and they'll be compensated for it. But, you know, in, in most cases, it's been, um, a mother with young children, uh, people that, you know, come back from maternity leave. We, we allow people to kind of ramp up their hours however they want to when they come back from maternity leave. But a lot of them will do that and then like kind of get to 32. And that's where they hope to be. But we have a lot of those people who, you know, at times we say to them, listen, we're kind of understaffed. Can you bump up to 40? And they say yes. So to go back to that flexibility works both ways. You need to have backup if you are called to the task. Um, and so that's an example where people typically would have some backup or way to address, you know, whatever responsibilities they were hoping to address that day. So when you say backup, does that mean, you know, Hey, I normally pick up my daughter from school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and my backup is my, my, uh, mother-in-law or my wife or something. Is that my backup or is it, are you thinking about that in a different different context. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly an example. It can be whatever it needs to be. I mean we have sure. we have someone else in our office who um when when she started she would uh not be available Fridays or she did she was hoping not to work Fridays because she would go to um ride horses and she actually had some responsibilities at the barn and she didn't have great self reception. So you know, that was kind of a different situation. And she worked more on the marketing, which was more, uh, you know, of a, of a solo activity. And it was fine. We Everyone knew that's where she was on Fridays. Um, so in that case, if she had a deadline, she wouldn't go to the barn. She would work Friday. Um, but backup could be an extra babysitter. It could be, you know, somebody else that's going to take your parents to the doctor. It, it could be anything. Okay. And while we do talk about people's personal situations more than most offices, I think we also don't push either. As long as you have the backup, we don't, you know, we don't have to know what it looks like. Right. And sure. again, the whole idea is that we want you to have that backup so that you can engage in what we view as an opportunity for you or something that the client needs. So you said seven years ago when, when you founded Sam or, or you know, when you co-founded Sam, um, Sam, that, we didn't really talk about equitable practice. So where, why do you think we talk about it now? Why do we need to talk about equitable practice now? I mean, you, you're basically, um, you, you know, you've built this entire business around the idea. So wh what's been, what's been the tipping point and where is it heading? I guess. I'm not sure I can put my finger on exactly what the tipping point is. I think, uh, there is pretty broad agreement that um, traditional architectural culture, the sort of atelier, is uh, not something that provided equal opportunity for everyone for many reasons, right? Um, so I think, I mean, it's been great to see that discussion. You know, I think that even the AIA was looking at this several years ago, so it's not, it's not like we were way out there, right? Um, but I think, you know, there've been a lot of events during COVID. I think, I think one thing that COVID has done actually is that it's sort of shown people very directly how things can be more equitable. For instance, um, we can bring all of our team members to a client meeting if we want to. And so the younger people like get, get a different level of learning, a different understanding of the project, the client, the major issues. That never happened. I mean, I remember being just out of school. I was in a big high profile firm and I was like, 
do I ever get to go to a meeting? And I, I just meant like with a consultant and it was like, well, no, you're going to sit here and draw, right? That's not what we wanted. Um, but the other thing that we realized, uh, and I think people are still getting there on this, is that a lot of people leave this profession um, because they can't balance their responsibilities outside of work in the way that they want to. And that's, that's not good. There's a lot of talent out there. We have a couple of people in our office who've told us, I would have left the profession if I had not found you. And so what's happening now, and we can talk a little bit more about the future, but all of the firms out there are kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do and what it's going to look like for them. And it's clear that, you know, some of those firms are going to have what I view as a more equitable approach and some of them really are not getting it. So I think yeah, I, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I I agree. I mean, I, I still hear, and it surprises me every time I hear it. I don't know why it why it does, but but I still hear. Oh, I can't wait to get back to to normal, you know, quote unquote, which is obviously butts and seats, and I can see everybody and look over their shoulders. And it doesn't have to be completely negative connotation, but but um um. Oh, some firms, as they have been allowed, I think have have rushed back to to everybody back in the office. Um, do you think do you think the way that you practice at SOM um, is this the future of of architecture practice? Um, I'm not going to say the way that we practice is okay. uh, for a number of reasons. So I do think it's. I think it's a little bit easier for smaller firms. I mean, trust and communication are critical, right? And in a larger firm, I mean, the dynamics of larger firms are complex. We know that, right? And there are people in a lot of large firms, well, in small firms too, really, that are expecting to have butts and seeds, like you said. Um, I think that just in what I've been observing and talking to architects, I've talked to a lot of architects in Boston about you know, what's, what their future is going to look like. And there are those that are doing, you know, closer to what we do. There are those that are doing, you need to be in three days a week and you can choose those three days, or you need to be in three days a week and it's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or you're only going to have Friday as the day you can work from, from home. And those are wildly different, right? And so it's also fascinating to watch as the job market is very hot here, very hot. So people that are interviewing, they want to know what it's going to look like, but people don't have all of the answers yet. And so if you have a couple of job offers in hand, that's something that you have to evaluate that you did not have to evaluate in the past. I mean, everybody, I think, was starting to understand they needed to look at um, culture of a firm before they accepted a position. But now I think that they look at them so differently. In the last few years, Premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature, and Infratech Outdoor Electric Heating Systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient, ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during the cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy up to 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility, from heater capacities and colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. They're also the only comfort heat company to offer smart home integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the United States at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of the job. Infratech is specified at the world's most prestigious properties. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcast. You know, where I live in Indianapolis, fall is a beautiful time of year. Right now, the leaves are orange and yellow, and there's a wonderful Christmas in the air. But let's be honest, as beautiful as it is, sitting on the porch and shivering as I watch the neighborhood go by 
starts to lose its appeal. I guess it's time to consider an Infratech heating system so that I can sit outside at least until all of the leaves have fallen. I actually had a speaking engagement this morning over in Cincinnati, and um, everybody, everybody in the room talked about, you know, they're trying to hire and several of several of the firms going through transition, et cetera. And, and um, I was thinking, of course, you know, doing that, wrapping that up, heading back over here, getting ready for this conversation. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking I should invite them to join in this conversation because I think it'll be pretty enlightening. Um, because I, I think, you know, from the from the standpoint of being competitive as an employer, and not for everybody, right? There's there's something for everybody, and not everything is for everybody. But there's got to be an advantage, I think, long term to the flexibility and and uh, the equity model, if I can call it that. Um, uh, you know, maybe that's just my own my own outlook on that but i i think uh i think it has to give some people a competitive advantage yeah i mean i'll tell you we we've had trouble finding staff of late who have been hiring and we did find um a great addition to our studio and he told us he had eight job offers and we all kind of scratched our heads and said why did he come here because i mean i'll be honest we don't have the sexiest design projects in the world we're working on getting more of those but that's not usually what people are coming to Psalm for. Um, so I do think there's still an advantage, you know, keeping an open mind about what things are going to look like for your firm. But How many employees do you have? Right now we have 22. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're not, I mean, I guess technically you're probably a small firm, but you're not a, you know, a very small firm. You have a decent number of employees. The other thing I was going to say about, you know, to your question about, is this the future of the profession? More and more of our profession is working in a firm that has engineers, other consultants, other professionals. And um, just our experience with that after we had been acquired is that when you work in a company, for instance, that has um, people that are in the field every day doing survey or whatever, you can't offer that policy to everyone. And so I think that there's going to be some sort of cultural issues there because some architects are going to look around and see their peers where they, you know, they can choose three days a week or whatever. And then companies like that are really going to be kind of stuck, you know, because they can't offer it to everyone. So how do you, how do you break that down? Yeah, that, I, I think that's a very real, real, uh, real issue. Looks like we've got a question here, Catherine. Yeah, John Jones wants to know, he says, from your website, it looks like less than 10% of your team is male. Curious if this is because women are more likely to value the flexibility you offer or some other reason. Totally fair question, John. Um, it's not intentional, but we've hired, we have, we hired women who brought more women. That's all I can tell you. Um, or the new hire I just mentioned is male, which we're excited about. Um, I sort of joke that well, I don't really joke. I we do need to be be thinking about gender diversity, but um, we're really just looking at the candidates that we that we get, like anyone, and evaluating them as best we can. We've just been fortunate to have a lot of women. I don't. There's no. I, I mean, I yes, are a lot of them mothers, absolutely, but not you know, not even seventy five percent maybe. So that's. That's a piece of it, for sure. Are are your employees, are all of your employees employees, or are they 1099 consultants? They're all employees. We don't. We tend not to do that because I mean, there's you know, there's value in having someone who you know is going to be with you. You build resumes together. You know, it's just uh, for us the longer term business uh, sort of strategy is that we want to hire people that want to stay with us and grow with us and so we don't there's you started out of the gate as a hybrid practice of course if you take um and i said this the other day um we i i was sitting 
with a friend of mine probably the first or second week of March um, in a, of 2020 in a coffee shop. He and I used to have coffee at least once a month. He's an IT professional for the AEC community. And we were just talking about the fact that, you know, this stuff's in the news. We're starting to learn a little bit what's going of a little bit about what's going on. And he said, you know what, in, in two weeks, this won't even exist. And he was exactly right. By then, the coffee shop, shop was shut down and we couldn't do that anymore. Um, and then we started talking about architecture firms, you know, his, his clients and I know his clients. Um, some of them are my clients. Um, and we were talking about the number of people that said, Hey, we, there's no way we can go home. There's no way we can work remotely. It's the, um, it's a collaborative process. We can't, we can't do this and so on and so forth. And obviously that was proven wrong. They had to, um, so there's a difference between the way that you started and the way that these firms had to adapt, I suppose. What do you, and I guess this is speculation on your part, although it's, it's, you know, educated guess. What do you suppose is the, the biggest hurdle for someone that wants to transition into, you know, for the future, a, uh, a hybrid firm versus starting new as a hybrid firm? Um, I think trust is actually the biggest hurdle in a lot of cases. Not always, but that's, that's such a fundamental piece of it. Um, and without that, you're not going to get there. Do, do you have any trouble collaborating? So I, this is a question that I've gotten for years and my, my answer has kind of evolved actually. So, you know, we, we feel like we collaborate well remotely, but as the pandemic hit, we had one of the largest projects that we had in a while. That's a ground up building. And it was a little bit harder than we were planning. You know, I think we did miss this sort of ability to come in and, and sit down and talk about a project together, like everyone, but we already had enough sort of practice that it wasn't um, it's been interesting to see which for, for me to see which, uh, technologies people are using to collaborate. We're not, we haven't really gotten into Moreau or, you know, any of the, the things that people are really enjoying using, I think, um, not for any specific reason, but we do a lot with, you know, the basic Bluebeam, PowerPoint and design. Um, my partner loves to build models, so he builds models. So physical models? Um, physical models. He's He has not, like during the pandemic, he just still went to the office every day. So, and he's been alone a lot. But um, but our design collaboration, it really varies from project to project. And who, But I've talked to architects who insist that the design quality is not as good and that they're less profitable since they've been working like this. And that I can't get my head around. I don't quite understand why that is the case. I mean, I totally, totally believe that's what they're experiencing, but it hasn't been, I don't know, maybe because that's all we've ever known. But I struggle with that. Just another question, Catherine. All right. So this morning when we were on Clubhouse, we talked a lot about um, firm culture and people were curious as to how that you maintain some kind of firm culture, how you this question is from James. How do you onboard remote workers and initiate them into the firm culture? So, so. we are right now hybrid. We're not 100% remote, but it's really sort of hybrid by choice. Um, so uh, onboarding is something that we've gotten better at in the pandemic, like most people. Um, we now have this very detailed checklist. And so, you know, we've kind of gotten there. But for instance, we had someone who just started and he came in the first day with the rest of the people. We have a lot of people that still come in on Mondays and Wednesdays for various reasons. Um, it's just their choice. So we invited him to come in Mondays, come in that Monday, and he did. And so we were able to sit down and say, you know, this is the network and here's the software and here's how we use Revit server, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he, like uh, one of our other recent hires, is pretty young. And so we do encourage them to come in 
um, if they want to. And I, and I've even said to the staff, like, Hey, we have some younger people now, you know, it would be great if people would come in and work with them some. And that's happened. So in his case, the onboarding has been pretty good and he's continued to come in on Mondays. And, um, he, like everyone we hire has to be good at asking questions. So that's, that was a lesson learned very early on is that if you hire young, if we were hiring young people, they needed to be, um, good at advocating for themselves and for, and not be afraid to ask a question. I mean, we were using at that point Skype. This is this, like <laughs> the software is keep changing. Um, and we really would, we would expect to see questions from people on Skype. So onboarding, that's very much a, pro- a process of discovery and, Sometimes it's us discovering what they haven't found yet, but, um, but, but to talk about the culture. Um, so historically when we used to come in on Mondays, um, like I've said, we would have the lunch and learns, but we would also have our happy hours and they happened to be earlier because we had a lot of people with kids that they had to go pick up. So we still have like a four o'clock, sometimes three thirty happy hour on Mondays which is a little dangerous because, you know, it can get a little long, but, uh, so that that's one way and anyone can come into that, but we have always done sort of offsite things as a group and we've continued to do those. You know, we used to have a bowling pizza night and we like a couple weeks ago, we all went on a hike and then we went to lunch together and, you know, it's important for those, those things to happen. Um, like our, we, about six months ago, we said, okay, we have to get everyone together. We need to just get together. And so we thought, okay, a little fall of 21, like people are going to kind of, you know, re-engage in different ways. So we had a meeting outdoors in the backyard of our COO's house. And um, it was great. It was everyone came that could come. Um, we have like some people on maternity leave that are, you know, far, far away. Um but it was a great day. Everyone had so much fun. We were outside. Um, and so we liked that model so much that we decided to do something like that quarterly. So the next one's in December and that's going to kind of morph into our holiday celebration. Um, this one is actually going to be at a hotel <laughs> so we can have a big enough space, more ventilation. And okay. So here's the question. What does your holiday party look like? So in this case, we're actually the topic of this kind of like quarterly meeting is actually on drawing standards, which is kind of a snoozer in some ways, but you got to do it right. Um, but then we also decided, well, we'll have lunch, obviously, but we are revisiting um, something we did years ago, which was a cookie swap. Uh, and so that'll be interesting. But historically, our our best holiday parties have been multicultural potlucks where people bring, you know, a dish from their childhood or whatever they want to bring really. And uh, somebody else that I saw a question was asking about, do we have any minorities in our office? We have uh, people that speak over, like as a group, we speak 11 languages. My partner's from South Africa. We have someone from Spain, someone from Syria. Uh, I'm from Texas. We like to think we're our own country. But I, I mean, I did bring the best barbecue always, but, um, but we do actually have a really diverse group. And so the multicultural potluck is just fun. Like it's fun to try all that food. And then you get into all these stories about your family life and, you know, that kind of thing. So that, that is probably our strongest holiday tradition, but hasn't been as easy to do in COVID. How do you include the people who are in the Middle East or South uh, North Dakota or wherever far away? She hasn't started yet, but our thinking is actually that we'll fly her in for these quarterly meetings so that she can have that face-to-face interaction and kind of check out who we are and what our office is like. And um, so the people that work, so the woman who works on and off from the Middle East, she goes back and forth, her family's uh, in in, uh, Abu Dhabi. She still works our hours, just kind of able to not... I mean, she's not really impacted by time zones, apparently. So it, half the time, we don't even know where she is. I think last week she was in Colombia. She travels a lot. Um, and it's fine. But we, so we don't incorporate those people because they're gone temporarily, right? But 
that generally those people always come to the Monday call if they can and kind of stay up on the news. That's really amazing. Um, do, do you see a generational difference between people uh, or among people that are interested or not interested in your model? Not in our office, but absolutely outside of our office. Yeah. Very clear. What's, so so out, outside of your office, what's the, what's the difference that you see? So, um, you know, Boston has some really big, uh, high profile firms that do amazing work. Some of them have amazing culture and are very progressive, in fact. But there are others who are, you know, like we're buying lunch for people if they come back to the office. We're trying to figure out how to get people back to the office. And the people in those conversations that are the most hesitant are the senior people who've been practicing for a long time. Um, and, that, you know, there's there's not really any way around it. I feel like people that are 10 years younger are definitely more open to it. What What's the average age of, of your staff? Do you know? Um, I think it's probably around early 30s average yeah. Yeah, we, we like i mentioned earlier yesterday for our context and clarity conversation we uh what was our topic it was in light of the great recession or great resignation um uh how do you see that affecting the future of the work architecture workplace or something like that and and i think that probably one thing that we agreed on was that you know a, a lot of the the resignation and a lot of this, the people starting their own firms and things over the last uh, 18, 19 months, something like that, falls fairly tightly within a certain age demographic and probably revolving, revolving around kids. Um, now there are definitely some exceptions that we found. Hey, it's, um, I wasn't being promoted. I, you know, th- those other types of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that was one of the things I was curious about is if you, if there is a sweet spot because of the flexibility that's built into your culture in a certain age range. But I, I have to imagine that younger generations are going to, it would seem that they would stereotypically embrace this type of culture. Um, in our experience, it's mixed. Okay. We definitely have, you know, people right out of school who are totally fine with the way we work. We've had other people who've been pretty open about the fact that they want to be in an office with people. So I'll give you two examples of that. One is pre-COVID and one is post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Interviewing people that are graduating deep into COVID, they were tired of being in their dorm room and they were tired of not seeing a lot of people and were actively looking for jobs where they could be in an office. And we had a great intern like three years ago, who graduated. And we were so excited she was going to come back. And she said, you know what? I want to be in an office with people. Like, okay, great. That's fine. Um, Likewise, you know, five years ago, probably, we had a great employee. She was really sharp right out of school. She worked with us for a year. And then she had this really honest conversation with us that was amazing. She said, you know, I really like it here. I want to do more ground up design, but also I want an ARE study group and I want people to go out with on Friday nights. And I said, Hey, we totally get it. We get that, that we don't offer you all of that. So we're going to set up interviews at firms where we think you'll be happy and that you can grow your career. And we did, and she got a great job and she's happy and we stay in touch. So it's mixed. Yeah, that, that is great. Um, I know you've talked before, about you, you said you've you have about twenty two. You have twenty two employees right now, uh, and these things fluctuate obviously. Uh, and you've talked before about growing some, um, not not to a thousand people, but you know larger than you are now. Um, if you look down the road five years from now, you're presumably larger than you you are now. Um, how how do things have to change? Or, or do things have to change within the firm to allow you to grow uh, larger than you are today? I don't, I mean, I don't think things have to change. 
what I see is that we have a lot of people that are around the sort of, you know, eight to 12 year mark that are going to be people who could lead this firm, which is exciting, um, if we can convince them to stay. And those are people who fully understand the value of the way that we work. And that, you know, if they're staying with us, they, they've definitely embraced the model. And so I would hope they would involve, involve it in ways that are helpful and progressive. If they see that opportunity. I think the other thing that's going to happen though is that the technology is going to continue to evolve in ways that will impact everyone's practice. I mean, augmented reality and virtual reality, you know, those things, uh, have the ability to bring us together more, but also to keep us apart more, depending on how they're used and what they look like. So I'm, I'm excited to see what that's going to be, but yeah, I probably won't be practicing in 15 years. I don't know. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, the, like I said, and I, I know we're getting close to the top of the hour. So I'll, I'll, I think we'll wrap it up with this question because we do have a lot of people, like I said, in this community that, have recently started their own and, and some that will start their own soon. Um, so for those people specifically that want to start their own firm, may be interested in developing an, an equitable practice, um, maybe looking at, you know, a hybrid workplace in the future. Are there, one or two or a handful of keys that they need to be paying attention to and planning for as they, as they get ready to launch their own firm? Yep. Um, well, I mentioned staff that communicate well and that you trust. Um, invest in the best remote work technology that you can. That's getting a little bit easier with cloud servers and that sort of thing. So it's not, it's not as complex anymore. Um, those are my two big pieces of advice and what and what to do in starting. Um, and do look, just look carefully at what you want your HR policy to be like. I mean, we've, we've tried to push things where we can afford to, like we, um, we're offering eight weeks of maternity leave with, you know, because we, with unlimited vacation, you know, we didn't want people to feel like they had to bank their vacation or whatever. Now Massachusetts has this other benefit. So, you know, think about what you might offer that's unique that will attract good staff. I like that. It, it's, you know, as, as you've described what you do and how you do it, you know, and the people that have accepted it and not, and um, obviously, you know, there's, there's not, it's none of this is one size fits all. Um, but I, I really, uh, I'm really encouraged by what you've been doing and the way it's been accepted. And, and, uh, I know you get a lot of questions. I know you get a lot of people outside of, of some wanting to know how, you know, you're in a way you're sort of a unicorn. What do you mean you've been doing this for seven years? We all figured it out over the course of a week in, in March of 2020 or April of 2020. But, um, but I, I'm really encouraged by uh, what you're doing and, and, and sustaining here and and i hope you know i hope this is uh the future again it's it's not one size fits all i don't i don't see that is so know. important like i'm so glad you said that i because i talk about all this i don't doesn't mean i think everyone should do it like you have to find what what fits for you and your goals and like, and, and limitations of course yeah. you, know, you know maybe uh if we take uh I don't know off the top of my head, SOM or somebody like that. Are they going to turn and, you know, evolve into this model? I doubt it. But, um, but I, I think there's hope for uh, a lot of, a lot of people out there and a lot of firms out there. So thank you for sharing all of this with us and, and really sort of documenting your journey um, for everybody that's out there whether you're listening in on the podcast version or you're joining us live now, or maybe watching a replay of this, go to som archcom So S A A M hyphen A R C H.com and, and uh, visit Diana's website, see their team, uh, find out uh, about them, you know, their projects and, and how they do what they do. 
uh, there's a lot to learn there. So um, if you're interested in, in uh, equitable practice and in hybrid workplaces, that's a, it's a really good place to go to get a great example of a firm that didn't just figure it out in March or April of, of 2020. They've been working at this for, uh, for seven years now. And by the way, congratulations on, on seven years. Um, that's, that in that. itself is a great accomplishment. Go ahead. Right. Sorry. We have a, a new a newer website and our old one. We used to have our employee handbook on the website and we are going to get that back on the new website. So some people like to see that. So if you're writing your own policy, you can take a look. Okay. There you go. So uh, look for that in the future. Um, learn learn from uh, the, the uh, HR policies as well. Diana, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, appreciate everything you shared today. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Absolutely. And everybody that's out there in our audience, whether you're live now, um, virtually speaking from where would you be? Facebook or Twitch or Twitter or LinkedIn or YouTube. Thank you for joining us. Uh, those that are listening to us in the podcast version, thanks for listening. Uh, check out all of our past. This is our 41st Context and Clarity live simulcast. So that means there's 40 other uh, conversations just like this that you could listen to. Of course, uh, every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group, we have these types of conversations, not always with a special guest, obviously. That's just Thursdays, but uh, we celebrated 400 of those conversations this week. Uh, join us for one of those. All week this week, we're talking about hybrid practice, and and really, it's it's right there in the name. We're searching for clarity around uh, these topics that we talk about every every day, every week. So uh, thanks again to all of you for joining us. Thanks for making context and clarity a thing because without you, again, we would not be talking with Diana today about equitable practice and hybrid workplaces. So thanks to all of you. Appreciate all of you. Um, have a great evening, a great afternoon, a great night. I saw uh, Bright pop up from Ghana. So Bright, good good night. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night. Uh, and anybody else that's out there, wherever you are, take a little bit of time to breathe and relax and rejuvenate because we're going to do this all over again tomorrow. I uh, appreciate all of you. Thanks for joining us. I hope I'll see you all somewhere sometime soon. Thanks, everybody. I want to say thank you to Infratech Outdoor Comfort Heating for their support of this episode of the Context and Clarity podcast. Visit infratechusa.com slash podcast to sign up for a free consultation and learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. Okay, well, there you have it. What did you think of that conversation? Hopefully, there was some big takeaway that will help you this week with your business. If there was, let me know. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us get the message out and help us help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well so you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine will join me again along with a special guest, or will it be guests from the Context and Clarity community so we can break this conversation down? It will be Context and Clarity backstage, so to speak. So join us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in today's conversation to our own businesses. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if today's topic is of particular interest to you, and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations 
And we take these topics and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community, your practice, and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.